Today's message is entitled, God, Our Silent Investor. God, Our Silent Investor. He opens doors. If you see the open sign hanging, it means that there's a business where we were able to open the business. And God is our silent investor. He's our silent partner, per se. And there are many people who have desires to serve God by using their gifts, opening a ministry, opening a business, etc. But many dreams never manifest because believers don't think they have the starting capital to open their doors. How many of you know you need money most times to open your doors? And so you need an investor at times to help you be able to do so. The Bible says in Revelation that God opens doors that no man can close and he closes doors that no man can open. I can remember, watch this now, I can remember every launch day I've had. I can remember every launch day. The launch day of my CD, the launch day of this ministry, November 2nd, 1997. By the way, I have a correction on there uh, with Lil Ben in particular. I said maybe two weeks ago, my first sermon was called Executive Decision. It was not. It was called Absolute Power with Clint Eastwood. It was Clint Eastwood. So I'm correcting that. But I remember the launch day, November 2nd, 1997. I remember the launch day, the day of the release of my book. I remember every launch day. I remember the launch day of my first sermon. I remember the launch day of my first Bible study. I remember these things, my first teaching experience, my first management position, my first executive position. In other words, every person has a beginning and there are people who invest in you that bring you to that point. So launch day is the recognition to the public, watch this now, of the reality to the dream that you've had years before. The launch day is like the public recognition of the dream you've had in your head. It's just like the baptism. Baptism, water baptism, is the public expression of the spiritual renewal that you've had on the inside that people can't see. But I never would have been able to launch if I didn't have investors. Somebody say investors. One investor in particular has afforded me the opportunities I've had in life to serve him, and he is God. He is my silent investor. I love him already. I feel him on that one. Uh, we've been on a journey, y'all. He just keep funding me. He keep giving me the money. <laughs> God would never ask you to be a part of the family business without being willing to be a significant contributor to your efforts. God would never ask you to do something for him that he was not willing to provide for. Uh, he wants to open your doors one day. Oh God, I feel this already. If you have a dream in your heart, if you have an idea that you've been stewing over for years, I came to tell you that God wants to bring it to a reality by investing and being able to hang an open sign on your door. I don't know what it is, and it doesn't have to be church-related. It doesn't have to be a choir. It can be something, a secular business, but you use it for the glory of God. Maybe you do hair, and you design and style hair, but while you style and hair, you mimic the attitude and the character of Christ. And you talk about the good things he's done in your life. In other words, God will fund what you use to bring him glory. Can you believe him for it? That's all I'm asking this morning. So let's talk investment for a moment. Let's talk about silent partners. 
for a minute. But before I do that, let me let me say this. I want I want to say this before I move on. I, there are a number of you pe- people who are listening, and and you don't have dreams, and you don't you haven't thought ahead for next year or the next five years. And and I want to say to you, why haven't you? Why why haven't you decided to think better than where you are? Why haven't you decided? to not just succumb to a compromise with where you are, but would you dare believe God with courage to ask him to move you forward into a greater place for his glory? God wants to use you to maximum capacity. God is not satisfied with mediocrity. He wants you to use every gift in your body. He wants to to use every ounce of your brain, your soul, and your spirit. So let's talk about investment. I had to just throw that in there. Let's talk about investment, silent partners, etc. for a minute. So let's talk about this investor. What is an investor? Investor is a person or an organization that puts money into a business venture or property, etc., with the expectation of achieving a profit. And that's what I don't want you to miss there. I want you to understand that God is saying he is willing to invest in your business. He's willing to invest in your business and to support and open your doors, but he is expecting a profit. Now, you may be familiar with investments like stocks. You know, you invest in stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities, coins, precious metals, real estate. You know, they're they're into the Bitcoin now and all these different things. You know, these are all things that people put money into, but nobody is putting money into something and not expecting more in return. God is, listen, listen, God is not investing in you $500 and says, I only want you to bring $500 back. No, that is not a profit. That's breaking even. Even with the gentleman with the talent in the Gospels, God talked about he gave one, ten, five, another two, or one, or whatever, and they were able to double what God gave them. And so God was pleased with the profit, the return on the investment. So for all those putting money into something, they're looking for a return. Might I just say, when you invest in your children, you ought to have expectations of a return. Once again, mediocrity is not good enough. You cannot just allow your children to live less than what you know they have in their capacity. That is part of being a parent. Being a parent is not being lazy and letting the child raise themselves. You must understand the value of what you have in your house. The same is with your spouse, the spouse to the spouse. You recognize the value in the other and you should push them or encourage them to live to their optimum ability because that brings a return on your investment. We got invested. I invested in my wife when I got married. She invested in me and she should be able to see a return. So the goal is to invest in something that will bring the greatest amount of return without having to do a lot of work yourself. Oh, many people work jobs. They work jobs right? 40 hours, but they will never make enough money to really get rich. So oftentimes what they do is invest in stock. They buy into the company they work for and they look for ways to where money can make money while you are not working for it. Uh, Watch this now. If you put money in a savings account, it will bear interest. If the more money you put in it, the, the more interest, the more money you'll get if you have more money in there. But on savings account, the interest is very low. It's about one to 2% that you get. So you don't get a lot back. So you probably don't want to do that as your total financial portfolio. But when you invest in stocks or bonds over a long period of time, then it yields a return, maybe 12%, 15%, 20%, depends on how the market is doing. 
My point is you want to be able to find a vehicle, a way to invest, and there's not a lot of work to be done. Watch this now. I'm setting you up. Jesus said in the Gospels of John, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ah, So what is he saying? I'm investing in you to do a work that should not require a whole lot of effort on your part. In other words, God says, I'm willing to invest in you to serve me, but the brunt of the work will be on me. I just need you to trust me to do it through you. Oh God, you're not, you're not ready for this. A good investment is where the investment turns the profit by its appreciation of quality on its own. An investment of real value will yield a return. In other words, God says, every day that you get up, Every morning that you rise, every day that you pray and read my word and just walk with me and pray with me, watch this now, he says your value increases. The Christ- I got news for you, devil. I got news for you out there. The Christian is not depreciating. <laughs> the Christian is always appreciating our value is always going up. I will be worth more next year to God than I am to him right now. Why? Because I will have learned more. I will have gone through more. I will have studied more. I will have greater wisdom. I will have a greater relationship with God and his Holy Spirit. Is anyone tracking with what I'm saying here? So God is an investor. I want you to understand this. Listen, Tony, God is an investor. He is not a trader. There is a difference, not a trader, T-R-A-I-T-O-R, but a trader, T-R-A-D-E-R. An investor invests with a long-term gain in mind. Traders trade frequently looking for short-term gains. Traders usually have higher risks. In other words, traders go to the market and they buy and they sell. They buy and they sell. They trade. They trade commodities and stock looking for quicker gains. Let me explain this to you. God is not a trader. God is not taking things from your life and adding things to your life, trying to get a higher return on your life every day. He's in the business of investing long term. He says, watch this now, when he sees you sin, when he sees you fail, he doesn't pull his money out. He doesn't sail and cast you aside. He says, well, market is down. They sin in a little bit, but I have confidence in my Holy Spirit to change them. The Bible says, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins. Uh Uh-uh, don't stop there. And to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, he wants to clean up his investment. He will clear up his investment to you. In other words, he won't discard you. He says, I'm in it for the long term. I know you sinned last week, but I have confidence that you're going to get better because God is at work in us, working out the righteousness that he's placed in our spirit. So if you, watch this now, if you stop quitting yourself, if you stop quitting the things that you've begun and roll and rock with God as he hasn't quit on you, you will see the return of the investment of your life over long term. You've got to be patient with yourself, darling. You've got to wait on yourself you can't mature to your maximum capacity overnight. Listen, I've been preaching over 30 years and I have some major foils in my first 10 years, even in my 20 years of preaching. But that I've got now a preaching etiquette that far exceeds where I began from my first sermon. But I've given myself time. I used to be 
so critical on myself about how well I did. But now I roll it back a little bit. PC, you messed up. You blundered. But I'm going to stick with you. I'm going to keep gambling with you because I know there's something in you that can be better. So who in here thinks that God created you with no value? Who online doesn't see the return on your life? If that's you, I came to speak directly to you today, boo. This message is for you. That's the investor. Let me explain this to you. Let me look at then the silent partner. Let's talk about how this investor, what does the silent aspect mean? God is more like a silent investor who is a person whose involvement is limited to the capital they provide to the business. God is more like the silent partner in that he doesn't make the decisions in your business, in your life, but he provides the capital. And I want you to understand that. Silent partners are not co-owners of your business. They provide the money to put the open sign on your door. So God invests in us without possessing the role or position of management. Ah, God, watch this. Oh, my God. God lives in us in the person of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about him in a minute. But he doesn't come in in a management capacity. He doesn't participate in the daily choices. God gives us free will. He doesn't micromanage on his investments. I mean, people say, well, I got a job interview. Lord, show me what color tie I should wear today to this interview. God don't care about what color tie. He's not going to make that decision for you. Well, what what apartment should I get? And where, where should I, what should I do? And how should I, what, what shoes should I, God doesn't care. He gave you free choice and free will. Many people say all t- sometimes, you know, uh, the Lord hit me over the head and told me you're going to be my wife. And, you, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think you have this 8 billion people out there. Half of them are more than half of women or men. In other words, you have a choice you can make. Now, don't make the wrong one. In other words, what I want you to get, get you to see, God does not tell you or force you to marry a particular person, but he is there to give you counsel and advice about which one you should choose. Oh, this, this teaching is too juicy. It's like sweet, juicy cherries. Pun intended. Silent partners usually exist for those who need capital to get things off the ground. God said, I'm not here to run your life. I'm here to give you the capital to let you grow and express yourself and be the person that you have been called to be. He's sitting on ready right by your side to help you accomplish what your heart desires. And God puts those desires in your heart so that you are desiring the things of the kingdom. We need God as our silent partner because he invests in our lives. He doesn't manage our business, but he sits as the advisor to our actions. That's why we consult God before before you buy. Consult God before you date. Consult God before you invest. Consult God. He is there as your silent investor, meaning because he put capital in your life, he wants to give you the best guidance possible on how to get the most out of your life. Oh my God, I want to scratch my head. Ah, that's why prayer is so important. It keeps us in contact with our advisor. You want to make better choices? Then pray more. If you want to make better decisions, then consult your advisor more often. So now that we've seen the business terminology, I wanted to give you the background of the terminology. Let's look at God as our silent investor from scripture's perspective. Let's now go to what I call the when, what, and how of God's investment. 
So now you may be saying, well, Pastor Cherry, that's good, but tell me how, when, tell me what, how does he do it? Well, I came to tell you that the investment, oh, you're going to be shocked right here, Cousin Kevin. You're going to be shocked. The investment for your life was made on Calvary over 2,000 years ago. In other words, when Jesus died on the cross, he had you in mind before you were even thought of in the human realm. Thousands of years ago, he paid the cost of your capital needs, your dividends, your business expenses. He paid the price on the cross thousands of years ago. Watch this now. Come on, it gets good, Cynthia. Then over those thousands of years, the investment has been spreading and accruing interest. Oh, wait a minute. Can you imagine investing in Coca-Cola way back over 2,000 years ago? Yeah, no, they didn't exist. I'm using it in a hyperbole manner. Of course, but if you invested in a stock that you know is growing, if you invest in a business that you know is going to be worth billions, of dollars a hundred years from now, oh my gosh, you would be stankin' rich. What I'm trying to say is that God invested in you over 2,000 years ago so that when that share gets placed in your life, when you accept Jesus, when you accept the Holy Spirit, the value of that stock has accrued interest over, God dog it, over thousands of years and the value of God's assets become your net worth. It becomes part of your business and God says it has grown in you and I am freely giving it to you. I'm offering you the gift of salvation and eternal life. Every spiritual blessing, I'm giving it to you. All I'm asking you for is belief. Pure faith in God is all he's asking for. Trust me to get this job done in your life. Is anybody tracking? So over these thousands of years, the stock, the investment has grown in the market. The investment then, watch this, was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And here's where we want to we park in Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. We're going to get there in a second. The Holy Spirit then becomes our guarantee because he knows the promise will happen. He's in charge of the promise. Watch this now. The investment is after it grows and matures over thousands of years, the the investment is sealed. In other words, God invests in your life and then he seals it. The gamble with the stock market, the Dow going up and down is that the numbers could fluctuate here and there. But God says, I'm going to invest in you and I'm going to seal it. Ah, God, have you ever, have you ever seen the commercial for the older people where they say, get some insurance and no matter what your age is, your, um, your payment will not change. We will still, if you get sick, we will not raise your premium. You just keep paying us and no matter what happens if you get sick if you die we will still pay you the full amount that's what God is saying I have sealed the blessing on your life so much so that no matter what you do no matter how you fail if you trust me I have sealed the the promise to make sure that it's going to happen. Somebody say promise. Let me move to the next. So that's how it happened. That's what it was. And we talked about when over the thousands of years. But look here now, I want to tell you about the promise because I want you to be clear. 
The promise is a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing or that a particular thing will happen. I want somebody to understand that God has invested in you because he is certain that it will happen. He is confident. He has made the declaration that what he has put in you, it shall bring a return. So that's why the Holy Spirit is called the Holy Spirit of promise. Our lives are filled with and based on promises that God will fulfill. Somebody ought to get up today, walk outside and be like whatever God started in me, he will fulfill it. He is faithful, ah God, to finish what he put in. Do you think God would invest in you and say, oops, I made a mistake. I I don't know what I'm doing. He invests in you. In other words, the gifts he put in you, he knows they're going to work. He knows their functionality. This is the premise of why he invests. He invests because he knows there's going to be a return. God is not investing in things that he doesn't believe there will be a return. Why do you think he cursed the fig tree? He cursed the fig tree because the fig did not bear fruit. So he is not he is not investing in anything that is not bearing fruit. If he can't see you bearing fruit, he is not investing. So hello, baby sister, I got news for you. If God saved you, that he must believe you can bring some fruit. God. So basically, God, oh God, Joy, this is juicy. Watch this and write this one down. Basically, God controls the market. He sets the dial to be up or down. He controls the rates of return in our lives. It's his market and he has allowed us to be in it. Oh God, don't you remember the disciples ran to Jesus and when the storm was raging and they were in the boat, he said, Carest not that we perish? Jesus turned around and said, Dummy? No, he didn't say that. He said, I control the market. I control the sea. I control whether the storms rage. He turned around, looked at the water and said, Erene, Erene. In other words, for the Greek for peace. He said, Peace be still. And the Bible said that the waters lay down and obeyed his will. The miracle, the miracle is not so much that Peter walked on the water. It is so much that the winds and the waves obey God's voice. I came to tell you that you're worried about what such a so-and-so is going to do. You're worried about what's going to happen if you lose your job. You're worried about whether or not the weather is going to control your happiness. You're worried about how your wife or your husband is going to treat you. You're worried about whether or not you're going to be able to get a new car. God controls the market. In other words, he can tell employment to hire you. He can tell HR to promote you. He can tell a mate to fall in love with you. He can tell a child to behave. God, I feel him right now. He can tell a sickness to back up. It ain't time yet. He can tell the doctors that you will recover. This sickness is not unto death. God controls the market of your life and all he asks you for is the faith enough to believe that the market rests with him. Therefore, the promises are sure. The spiritual life is a life of faith that lives on the guaranteed promises of the Lord. I'm living on the promises. There's an old hymn we used to sing in the Church of God, Church And he says, standing on the promises. Uh, That's what we need to do is stand on what we know God has promised us. The Spirit's job is to reveal those promises to us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, who knows the mind of man better than man? He says, who knows the mind of God then better than the Spirit? The Spirit, in other words, knows the mind of God and he reveals 
fulfills the promises to us. What I'm trying to get you to see is that the spirit knows what those promises are. The spirit knows what God wants for you. So what I'm saying is get and develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can reveal those promises to you. If I took a moment, I'd talk about how Ruth stumbled upon gleanings that Boaz left behind. God dog it. In other words, Ruth didn't know where she was going to get food and money to be able to take care of her and Naomi. But what she did do was get out and do something. And what I'm saying to some of you is you may not know where you're going like Abraham, but God will show you as you go. And when you go, you will stumble upon the promises and the blessings that God has placed, ah, God, in your life. Remember, Ephesians 1 and 3 says every spiritual blessing that we need has already been given to us. In other words, you ought to know that whatever God has for you, he has already provided it. Now, Let's look at how God really has invested in us, and I will let you go home. Well, you're already home. Never mind. All right, let's go then to the text. Let me look at the text. The Bible says in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, I hope you mark these in your Bible. I hope that you have some understanding of what this passage is getting ready to teach you. In whom you also trusted, After that, you heard the word of truth. Talking about Jesus. We trust in God. We trust in Jesus. Look at that. In whom you also trusted, after that, you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that, ye believed, you were, here it is, sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Now let me go back to verse 13 and let me just explain this to you very quickly. The Bible says, in whom after you trust him, We come to Jesus by faith, right? We come to God by faith. We trust what the preacher is saying. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So as I'm hearing, as I'm preaching, someone hears it, someone believes it. He says, after you heard the word of truth and the gospel of your salvation in whom after you believed, so you trusted, you believed, what happened? You were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So in other words, the Holy Spirit comes in to your life. The Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ lives in your life and he seals you. Now watch this. Let's talk about what it means to be sealed. Because some of y'all going to be a little cocky today. Y'all going to be a little arrogant. Y'all, y'all going to be talking about this, this Holy Ghost done hooked me up here. Now I got, to, I got to get connected with my Holy Ghost. And again, the Holy Spirit is way more than just speaking in tongues and, and rolling on the floor and a hickamashi and, and all that. And then mind you, that has its place. The Holy Spirit does speak in terms and, and, and interprets and all of that. But I want to talk about his sealing work. <laughs> And when the spirit seals you, what does he do? It means he protects you from your enemy. In other words, cat dogging, what God has put inside of you, the enemy cannot take from you. So whatever it is you worried about, whatever it is you're concerned about, God says, I've sealed my blessing on your life and the enemy cannot take it from you. That's the first aspect. The second aspect of sealing is that it means it keeps the contents inside private. Have you ever had your file sealed? In other words, some criminals, when they get out of prison, uh, they have their file sealed, meaning people can't access the... God dog it. What I'm trying to say is that the assets, the commodities, the stocks, the investment inside of you becomes private. Ah, God. It doesn't the Bible say even Jesus 
Jesus says, when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you pray in secret, the Lord will reward you openly. God, he's saying what you're dealing with is private matter. When you work at certain levels of the government, you need secret clearance. You need clearance. You need top secret. You need this for that. You need certain clearances. God says you have a private clearance (laughs) that only the God of heaven, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit can access. The devil can't get to it even if he tried to. In other words, the dream is hidden. Some of you are worried about and you're skeptical about the devil changing the order of your vision. I'm telling you what God put inside you have been sealed and the data has been deemed private. The last term of sealing means it is a mark of identification. Not only does it protect you from the enemy, not only does it privatize the content, but it also marks you for identification. In other words, the Bible says the Holy Spirit seals you. In other words, he puts his emblem on you. In other words, he puts his moniker. Oh God, here it is. You're branded. Ah, there it is. Your business is branded with the capital and the investment that your father God has placed inside your life. Watch this now. Ah, it's going to be good. The moment we believe in God, the transfer is made. The moment we trust him to do what he says he will do, the transfer is made. Have you ever watched the movies, those fighting gangster movies, criminal spy movies, and they say, I want one billion dollars transferred into my account in, account in Switzerland or Stockton or whatever you are, right? He says, transfer to my account. And then they wait there and they give you the number and they wait there. It's in the account. I want somebody to start believing God again. And when you put your faith and trust in God, that's when the promise transfers transfers into your account and it gets sealed. Oh, watch this. I got something for you. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, it seals the deal. Somebody say seal the deal. Write this down. The Father signs it. The Spirit seals it. The Son delivers it. I'll say it again. The Father signs it. The Spirit seals it. And the Son delivers it. Oh, did you catch it? Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. Oh yeah. The Father signs it. The Holy Ghost seals it. And Jesus delivered it. Didn't he? Come on. He brought it. Oh God, I feel like so watch this now that he seals you, right? He seals it with the Holy Spirit of promise. But let me go to the next verse. I got to move on. He says, which is what? The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. So the earnest means, watch this now, earnest means it is the down payment to ensure final payment later. In other words, the Holy Ghost comes into my life. He sits in my life right now as a reminder that the rest of the payment is guaranteed. In other words, earnestness of your inheritance. Oh God. Woo. Did listen. If you knew your daddy had $8 billion in inheritance for you upon your daddy's death, you would, you would be, you would be living happy. It doesn't matter if you make 50,000 a year because you know you got $8 billion coming. I'm trying to tell you to live like your inheritance is sure that you've got a father who has left you billions of dollars. In other words, whatever it is you need, you have already been provided for. Well, when did God die? Oh, shoot, Shana. God died thousands of years ago on the cross. So technically, technically, my inheritance is here now. And the Holy Ghost lives in me as my executor of the estate to release 
runs to me as I need them. So when I go to God and say I need bread, I need equipment, I need a computer, I need a camera, I need this or I need that, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost then puts us in a position to say I will reveal, I will make that available to you as you progress. Are you tracking? So the son delivers. The Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance. And that earnestness is the down payment to ensure final payment later. It is an investment with the sentiment that he's investing because he knows the final desired outcome will manifest. It is an investment of certainty. And we have been given a share. We've been given shares. We share this ownership. That's what the franchise is. We share in the, in the, the prosperity of the kingdom. So he says, I'll give you a little bit now to make sure you can do what you need to do. And I will keep bankrolling you until it's time to close the doors, until the time of full redemption, until all payments have been made. So look at the text. It says, the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Well, the purchased possession, the time of full redemption, redemption means you redeem something by payment. So when you hang your coat in the coat closet, you take your ticket and you give them your ticket to redeem your closet, your your coat. So God says, I will bankroll you (laughs) until I come to redeem my purchased possession. (laughs) We are the purchased possession. We are the body of Christ. And when Christ comes again, he will offer his ticket and say, I'm here to redeem and to claim the return on my investment. And what is he saying? I will bankroll your life for as long as you live on earth until I come back to the redemption to purchase the possession that I died on the cross for. Are you getting this? God says, I will do wonders in your life on earth until I come back to get you. You will not lack anything until I return to acquire my purchased possession. Don't you know the song redeemed? Redeemed? Redeemed by the blood of the lamb? We've been redeemed by the blood that shrugged down his side and spilled onto the ground. We've been redeemed by the crown of thorns on his head. We've been redeemed by the piercing in his side. We've been redeemed by the nails in his wrists and his feet. We've been redeemed by the hanging on the cross on Calvary's mountain. We've been redeemed by every whipping and scourging on his back. We've been redeemed. He paid for you. He purchased you with his own blood. Will he not then come to get you? God has not forsaken you. I don't care what trouble you're in right now. You are the purchased possession of God and he will not leave you in the clutches of the devil. He's coming to get you. Hold on. Keep the faith. This too shall pass. God will never leave you. Nor forsake you. But he'll be with you always, even until the ends of the age. That's what his point is. Even until I come to redeem you, I will never leave you. You are my purchased possession. And I take pride and value in who you are. I am not sitting in heaven somewhere letting angels shout and sing glory to me while you're struggling on your deathbed, riddled with sickness or poverty. That is not God's character. He has a plan and he will come to get you. God dog it. Whoa, is there anybody who knows that God will come get you? Late in the midnight hour, God will turn it around. Paul and Silas were praying. At midnight, the jail doors opened. 
Daniel in the lion's den. The, 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 the lions could have eaten him up, but God came. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace hit it, hit it seven times over. And Jesus comes in one like the son of man. He's not going to leave you. Somebody needs to hear that right now. God has not forsaken you. You are his possession. We are a possession that brings him glory. And the Bible says, unto the praise of his glory. It is God's glory that he wants to see in your life. He wants to redeem you. He wants to restore you. He wants to modify your life to the point where you exude his glory. Live your life to the praise of his glory. So why would God leave you in a massacred situation? Why would God leave you in a tragic situation that doesn't bring him glory? Why would God let you struggle for the rest of your life that does not bring him glory? God's investment is looking for a return. So I conclude with this, my beloved. I conclude with these words. God is going to get his glory out of your life. And I want somebody to hear that loud and clear. God is going to get his glory out of your life. Because he is your investor. God is going to get glory out of your life. He's going to get glory out of this. He's going to get glory out of your situation. He's going to get glory out of your foreclosure. He's going to get glory out of your firing. He's going to get glory out of your divorce. He's going to get glory out of your abortion. He's going to get glory out of your divorce, out of your abusive situation. He's going to get glory from it. If you let him invest... Don't get bitter, beloved. Don't quit. Don't sour and go to a quarter and say, this is all God has for me. No, it's not. All he wants you to do is trust him. Lean on the Holy Spirit of promise and let the Holy Spirit reveal to you where the promises are. Some of you need to talk to the Holy Spirit. I do. He is Holy Spirit, Lord, and life giver. He is there in your life. He is the third person of the Godhead. He is your on-site manager. He is your on-site Godhead that is with you in every situation. He doesn't manage your decisions. He doesn't make you do anything. You could sin right now with the Holy Spirit in you. He does not force you, but he is there for help. His name is the paraclete, meaning he's the one called alongside. He goes with you everywhere you go. When I was sinning, I remember when I got the revelation and, I, and the Lord told me, he said, Cherry, Cherry, I don't know why you're trying to act like when you go sin that God stays outside, that God is outside and say, well, I'll wait till Cherry's done sinning. No, he's in, he's in the club. He's in the room. He's, he's there with you. He ain't going no. Don't you love a God like that? God is going to get glory out of your life. And if it weren't true, he never would have invested in you in the first place. God doesn't make investments that don't yield a return. He knows what each of our rate of return is. Some yield 30 fold, some 60, some 100 fold. He knows. He says some, some of y'all going to yield 12% this year. Some of y'all going to yield 2% this year. Some of y'all going to yield 20%. Aren't you excited? Even though the pandemic has done what it's done, God controls the market. God controls the devastation of the pandemic. And let me explain something to you. God has not responded yet. He's easing it up, but I'm telling you, there is never a time where there is famine or where there is dirt or where there is a plague or a pandemic where God does not do something restitutionary. He does, he does something that changes the order of things. And I'm telling you, we're still in the midst of this and God has not completely responded. 
God, what, so you what you think? God gonna let a pandemic come kill hundreds of thousands of people and he just gonna let it just ease on, creep on out? No, there's going to be a breakthrough. There's going to be an awakening. There's going to be some kind of revelation or spiritual renewing to some degree because God never would have allowed it if he couldn't get glory from it. God earns fruit from our lives. You hear me? God earns the fruit from our lives. He put up the capital. He opened your doors. He earns the fruit from your life. So how dare you not open your mouth, share your testimony, be a blessing to other people. He has earned the right to partake of your fruit. Whenever we yield a prophet, it's God's prophet as well. Because he provided the capital to get us started. Now I want to say to you, a silent partner in, in business world, a silent partner might wish to dissolve a contract after a certain period if they determine the business is unlikely to become profitable. In other words, some investors, they cancel their contract. They, they dissolve the contract. They say, well, if you aren't turning the profit in three to five years, I'm out. God has written no such clause in your life. God says, I'm with you and I will not dissolve the contract. God is not here today to dissolve anyone's contract because you're not likely to be profitable. And I'm preaching to people who have sinned. I'm preaching to people who haven't prayed. I'm preaching to people who have not read their word this week. I'm preaching to people who are totally focused on yourself and you have neglected God. And God says to you today, I am not dissolving your contract. I still want you came to tell you God is here to invest more because he's never been more certain that your life means something and it will be profitable to the kingdom. You keep sitting there listening to the devil tell you it doesn't matter. It does. Your life matters. This is the family business. And it's his business. And he's going to do everything possible to make sure his business is a success. He offered up his only begotten son just to make sure this would work. He is invested. Are you? How invested are you in your own life? Tell the tale that God would be more invested in us than we are in ourselves. He's invested in us and we are the business. So because he's invested in us, then he's invested in the business. We are the church of the living God. Pillar and ground of truth. We are his house. We are his business. We are his edifice. So put down your fears of permanent failure. Yes, you will have challenges and setbacks, but a failure is not the end. God says he will get glory out of your life. He woke you up this morning, started you on your way, meaning he gave you the capital you need for life today. The fact that you got up, he's saying I gave you enough capital to open your doors, to open your life, to swing wide open, to be a blessing to somebody. When you opened your eyes, it was a sign that God gave you what you needed. Deuteronomy says, as your day is, so shall your strength be. In other words, I don't wake up a day without having the capital I need to be who I am. My God, I feel them here. God, I pray somebody's breaking down on their knees. I'm praying that tears are streaming down your face. Now he just needs you to keep doing what you're doing. Keep being who you're being so his will can be done in your life. He won't stop helping you until he sees the return on his investment that he envisioned from the very beginning. God will not stop waking you up until he sees you produce what he knows he put in you. He will. Open doors. God, our silent investor, if you can believe it. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. 
lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I'm PC, and that's all I've got.